Today we are reading from Psalm chapter 139 verse 1 to 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You are lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You need me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works as are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the day ordained for me where were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Well, as we begin, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a speaking God. So please, would you speak to us now? Please, by your spirit, come and take your word and make it alive to us that we might know your voice speaking into our lives. Please be with us now, we pray. Amen. Well, perhaps you know the story of Eleanor Oliphant. Uh, When we first meet Eleanor, uh, she's just about to turn 30. She lives by herself. Uh, She has no family. Uh, When she goes to work at the local design company where she uh, looks after the accounts, When she goes to work, she always eats lunch by herself. Her work colleagues won't eat with her. At the end of a working week, she calls in at the supermarket on the way home, picks up a frozen pizza, and she won't see anybody until 9 o'clock on Monday morning. She spends the weekend by herself, except for the company of two bottles of vodka. Eleanor Oliphant lives by herself, she has no family, she eats with nobody, she spends her weekends by herself and yet she says she is completely fine. Now you might be sitting there thinking, you know what, I wouldn't mind a weekend by myself, Uh, get people out of my hair. Others of you might be thinking, don't worry about the weekend, just give me the two bottles of vodka. 
The experience of Eleanor Oliphant uh, alerts us to the idea that, well, she feels completely fine. Uh, Somehow being lonely might be a bit different to being alone. In the research, uh, most of it talks about loneliness in this sort of language. A subjective state of negative feelings about having a lower level of social contact than desired. So it's, this is how we feel about stuff. That we're having less contact than we would want. That's the sort of definition of loneliness. The Australian uh, Institute of Health and Welfare says that pre-pandemic, about a third of people felt lonely. But at the height of the pandemic, that had risen up to 46% of people. And in that 46%, generally people were feeling lonely once a week. That's pretty significant. And it wasn't just your normal stereotype when it comes to loneliness. The age group that was most affected at the height of the pandemic were young people. 18 to 24 year olds. That's a bit different to the sort of stereotype of an elderly person living by themselves shut in. Loneliness is something that affects everybody right across the age band. I think what we can see from this is that loneliness is one of those issues that is pretty common. It's going to affect most people at some point along the way. Now, when you think about Eleanor Oliphant, uh, this idea that loneliness is, being, is different to being alone, uh, it should at least ring a bell that trying to deal with loneliness is more than just filling up our lives with a whole lot more people. Because, you know, here we are, we've got a crowd of people this morning. You can still feel lonely in a crowd. Or like one of the members of our extended family, he lives on a a sheep property. He can talk to sheep for three months and see no one, and he's fine with that. So there's got to be more to it than just filling up our lives with people. At one point in the story of Eleanor Oliphant, she says this, I did sometimes wonder what it would like to have someone, a cousin perhaps, or a sibling, to call on in times of need, or even just to spend unplanned time with, someone who knows you, cares about you, who wants the best for you, a houseplant, however attractive and robust, doesn't quite cut the mustard. Now, I think Eleanor Oliphant's onto something here. Isn't this what we want? Somebody who really knows us. Somebody who cares about us. Somebody who wants the best for us. Isn't that what we really want? And of course... Therein lies the rub, because how do you get people like that? And how do you hang on to people like that? Because you think, you know, people drift apart. Not through any bad blood or anything, but just life takes you in different directions, doesn't it? Or 
people physically move away. They, they move the other side of town or interstate or overseas and so you're not rubbing shoulders with them in the same way. And ultimately people die. And they take with them what they knew of you, that great connection. So, yes, we want someone who will know us and care for us and want the best for us, but it's just really hard to find, isn't it? And at this point, I think the Christian faith has something really significant to offer. Here we are, as Mark said, uh, beginning a series thinking about, well, how does an ancient faith speak into contemporary issues? As you begin that series, we're thinking about this issue of loneliness. And I think at this point, the Christian faith has a wonderful foundation to offer as we grapple with this issue of loneliness. So this morning, I want to look at the experience of somebody else, not Eleanor Oliphant, but David, the writer of Psalm 139. So if you'd like to have that open, uh, however, whatever form you have that in, Uh, so that you can see it. Uh, David was a country boy. He grew up on his family property, uh, looking after the sheep. Uh, As the youngest, he was sent out to be the security guard. He'd be the one who ensured that the neighbours didn't pinch the sheep and the animals didn't devour them. Uh, He grew up to be a military man, rose up through the ranks. He was a leader of men. But he also had a very sensitive side to him. He's a songwriter a poet, a musician. And what we have here is one of his songs, the lyrics from Psalm 139. We're also told that David was a good-looking rooster, so if you've got a man crush on him, that's fine. If you swoon after David, that's also fine. And David's got three significant things to tell us that will help us grapple with this issue of loneliness. First one is that God knows me. David says, God, you know me. Have a look there at the start of uh, Psalm 139, verse 1. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. But for a word is on my tongue, You, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David says, God, you know me. Notice how it keeps getting repeated. Verse 1, you know me. Verse 2, you know when I sit. You perceive. Verse 3, you discern. You are familiar Verse 4, you know it completely. God, you know me. You know me intimately, personally, in every detail. God, you, you know when I, I'm up and happening for the day, when I'm stuck in traffic and I wish I was somewhere else. God, you know me. God, you, you know when I'm thinking about stuff and just trying to grapple with what's going on in our household and caring for my ageing parents and, oh, that's right, the tax return's going to come up soon. God, you know me. God, you, you know 
even as I'm trying to form these sentences and get it out of my mouth, God, you know me. God, you know me inside out, back the front. Better than I know myself. David says, not only does God know him, but God is always with him. God, you are always with me. When the kids were a bit younger, we had a couple of uh, great family holidays in northwest Australia. One time we were on a property literally hundreds of kilometres from anyone. We were completely isolated. No mobile phone reception. And at night, without the the city lights, you look up at the sky and it is this velvet black studded with stars. And you just feel so small in the vastness of the universe. And even in that most isolated of places, God, you are with us. Pick it up there in uh, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. David's saying, it doesn't matter where I go, uh, God, you are there. If I, if I go up to the heights of the heavens, if I depths of the earth, if I go as far as the, the east where the sun rises or far west where the sun will set over the sea, God, there you will be. Every dimension, height and depth and length and breadth, God, you've got it covered. And not even the darkness can hide us. It, it's, it's almost like this very childlike, playful picture of you know, a child taking a blanket and, and covering themselves and saying, well, I can't see you, so you mustn't be able to see me. Of course not. Darkness can't hide us from God. God, you are always with me. David says, God, you know me. You are always with me. And God, you care for me. God, you care for me. Have a look there at uh, verse 13, please. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David says, God, you care for me. 
David recognizes that God was there long before David was even born and he will be there long after David is gone. Even when David was growing in his mother's womb, God was intimately involved. Every aspect of who he is, every thread of personality, God was knitting David together. That's how well, that's how involved, how caring God is. And every day of life is a gift from God. No, did you see it there in verse 16? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David will never run short. He will live exactly the number of days God has determined for him. That is how loving and caring God is. David recognises in his experience with God, God, you know me. God, you are always with me. God, you care for me. Now that has something very profound to say to us as we grapple with the issue of loneliness. You see, you think if, if Eleanor Oliphant is saying, we want somebody who knows us, who cares about us, who wants the best for us, and yet that's really tricky to find and really difficult to maintain. See, people, we don't always get it right, do we? Uh, we don't always understand one another well. You, you wish somebody would understand you, but they don't. But Psalm 139 says, God, you do know me. You do understand me. People drift apart. People move away. People die. They're not always able to be there. But David's experience of God is, God, you are always with me. We'd love people to care for us well, but, but I know I, I don't always get it right. I, I mess things up. But David says, no, no, God, you care for me. What a wonderful foundation. As we try and grapple with life, as we deal with this issue of loneliness, here is something that the Christian faith offers that is very profound. Now, some of you this morning, uh, you might have been invited along by a friend. Uh, this might be your first time here. Uh, if this is your first time, my first time too, we can all hang out together at morning tea. Or maybe you've been around the fringes a bit here. Uh, you're just trying to suss things out, what this whole Christian faith thing is. Well, if you're new, if you're just sussing things out, I've got a question for you. If Psalm 139 tells us, God knows me, my question for you is this. Do you know God? Do you know God? You might think, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've sort of heard of him. Um, I had religion shoved down my throat when I was at school. No, no. 
do you know God? Have you got friendship with God? Are you connected with God? If you're sort of thinking, ah, I'm not sure, then can I really urge you that this is a great opportunity to do something about that? The God of the universe, who knows us and loves us and cares for us, is holding out his hand and says, I want you to get to know me. And that's where Jesus fits in. Jesus is the one who makes God known to us. And when we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. So if you're not sure, then these next few weeks are a great opportunity to start. And so maybe you might want to talk to the friend who invited you or talk to Mark or anyone you've seen up the front here this morning. I'm sure they'd be really happy to help you. For many of you this morning, uh, you would put your hand up and say, yep, I do know God. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, I'm part of the the crew here at Trinity Church Modbury. Uh, These words from Psalm 139 are just as applicable to us. Because just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean to say you won't experience loneliness. Uh, I know it was like during the week, uh, I was walking the dog feeling a bit flat, and I had to remind myself of these words, that, yep, God, you do know me. You are with me. You care for me. One of the great blessings of knowing God is that not only does he call us to know him, but he calls us to know each other. He calls us into Christian community, to church. So just in this last little section, I just want to make three suggestions about our life together as Christian community as we grapple with loneliness. Here's my three suggestions. First of all, take a step. Take a step. By that I mean, you know it's like when you're at home, you, you might be feeling a bit lonely, a bit, bit flat, a bit down in the dumps. Uh, rather than just sit back and expect somebody to fix the problem... Uh, why don't you take a step? Why don't you pick up the phone and bring someone or, or FaceTime someone or just get in touch and say, listen, I'm coming around, let's have a cuppa. One of the things about just being a mature, grown-up adult is we take a bit of responsibility for ourselves. And so why don't you take a step? Second suggestion is commit to church. Commit to church. Now you might think, hang on, (laughs) Uh, we're here and it's a long weekend, Uh, we're committed. Uh, When I say commit to church, what I mean is commit relationally that you might grow in connection with Jesus and with each other. Uh, We all need at least a couple of significant people in our lives where the veneer is gone, we can just be straight with them and say, this is where I'm at. It's a bit like, uh, you know, the old illustration of the the bike tyre? You know how you have a bike tyre and you've got the hub and the spokes are all connected into into the hub? 
when the spokes, as they come closer to the hub, the spokes come closer to each other. And that's the pattern of the New Testament. As we draw closer to Jesus, Jesus draws us closer to each other. So can I encourage you that you'd have at least a couple of significant people in your life that you can be straight with and say, listen, let's be drawing closer to Jesus and so draw closer to each other. And that's going to look a bit different for each one of us. Perhaps you're a shift worker and it's a case of saying, listen, okay, let's compare our rosters, let's see what's happening in the next month, when can we get some time together? Maybe it's, you know, after school uh, and you're calling in at Macca's, it's a cheeseburger, some fries and your Bible app and you pray for each other. Or maybe it's calling in on the way home, uh, cup of tea at the kitchen table, let's do life together. Have you got a couple of significant people, key people, where you can just be straight with them and so draw close to Jesus and draw closer to each other? Because Christian community is one of the great blessings that we've got from God. Take a step, connect at church. Last thing, I want to encourage you to use your secret weapon when it comes to battling loneliness. You know what your secret weapon is in facing loneliness? Food. I want you to make use of food. And I'm not talking binge eating. Uh, Across culture, across the ages, when people get together and eat, it connects them together. Uh, I'm part of a Bible study group. Uh, It's a new group this year at church. And it's just been, you know, that little bit awkward, that little bit clunky as, you know, you've got a bunch of people who are trying to get to know each other. A little while ago, we had our first meal together and it made such a difference. Put the rice cooker on, people brought some stuff to share, we put it on the bench, everyone piled it on their plates and we sat around the table and you just get to know each other. Um, I realised that uh, one of the young ladies grew up in the same suburb as I did. It's just a few decades apart. Uh, they realised that we've got a dog and they love the dog and all that sort of thing. You know. Eating together builds bonds together. You share life together. It, it just creates the opportunity to get beyond the small talk. So can I encourage you to use your secret weapon of food and hospitality? And you know, whether that's after church on a Sunday or in your small groups or whatever it might be, uh, it is just a, a great way to be able to keep connecting together in the face of loneliness. My brothers and sisters, we long to have people in our lives that we can connect with. Facing loneliness is not just about the number of people we fill up our lives with, but depth of connection. And the Christian faith is putting on the table that there is a God who knows us, who is always with us, 
who cares for us. And he is a wonderful foundation on which to build life. And a great foundation from which to love one another. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we're just so thankful that you're a personal God who knows us intimately, who is always with us and is deeply caring and loving and involved in our lives. So I pray that uh, for those who are still figuring it out, please, would you reach out to them and may they reach out to you. And for those of us who do know you, please help us to keep loving each other deeply that we might enjoy the blessing of Christian community in a way that honours you. Amen.